Thank you, Robin. Take your Bibles, if you would, and turn tonight to 1 Peter. 1 Peter tonight. We are studying on Sunday morning the, through the book of Mark, as most of you know. Sunday night, we're going through the Old Testament. We're in the book of Genesis. Particularly, we are looking at the life of Abraham. But on Wednesday night, we're going through the book of 1 Peter. We went through Revelation for a little more than a year. Now we're in 1 Peter. We're towards the end of chapter 1 of 1 Peter. 1 Peter uh, chapter 1. And we'll start uh, with verse, verse uh, 16 tonight. 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 16 uh, tells us, Because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. If you call him the Father, who without respect of persons judgeth according to every man's work, pass the time of your sojourning here in fear, for as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold, from your vain conversation or your vain lifestyle, received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily was ordained before the foundation of the world, but as was manifest in these last times for you. For by him do you believe in God that raised up from the dead and gave him glory that your faith and hope might be in God. Gracious Father, we thank you for tonight. We thank you for, again for allowing us to assemble in this church. Thank you for all the folks who've sacrificed and give so we can have a nice place to meet on a Wednesday night. And air conditioned and nice seats and a uh, beautiful uh, place to come and, and worship you and learn more about you. I pray you just bless tonight, Father. May we learn. May we grow in grace. I pray if there's one in this room who does not know Christ as their Savior, Father, that you would draw them to yourself before it's too late. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So several things as we get started. We've been talking about the consecrated life, the life that is different. The Christian life and an unsaved person's life should be different. should be different. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Literally a new creation, a new, cre a new person. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. That's spiritually speaking. Now you're still going to go to the gas station, saved or unsaved. <laughs> you're still going to go to Walmart. Well, like some of you, maybe not. But, or, or wherever you go. You, you're still going to go to some same, the same places physically, but internally you're different. The very second that you ask Christ to be your Savior, your, 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 your destiny changed. Your, your father changed. It used to be the father of the devil. We, we were, you were, you, when, you were, when you were born, you were born under darkness. There's no, there's no saints born. Everybody who's born is an ain't spiritually. You're, you're, uh, you're, you're without God. You're without hope. You're helpless, hapless, and hopeless. And the only hope you have is that, is that the father draw you to, your, to, your, to himself. You recognize that you're a sinner. And by the grace of God, you place your faith in Jesus Christ alone. That's our only hope. And so, but our life is different. It should be a consecrated life. And to the degree that you consecrate, you focus, you center your life on Christ, the more joy you will have. Now, you might not always have temp, you might not always have happiness. Because sometimes to obey God means to sacrifice. Uh, some of these missionaries over here, and hopefully Brother Nate, one of these days, by the grace of God, will be over to a place where he might, ha he might have to sacrifice. Uh, that place over in New Zealand, a little farther left in, in politically than the United States of America. If you've been looking at what's going on with them right now, they're, 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 in, they're in a bad shape. Uh, 
in lots of ways. So he's going to a place that's it's going to be difficult to preach the gospel. It's going to be harder than it is in the Bible Belt to preach the gospel in New Zealand. But that's where God's called him to go. He was not diff- it was difficult for Paul the Apostle to preach in those synagogues. He had a little bit of, little bit of struggle there, didn't he? I mean, the Jews got to the place they wanted to kill him. They wanted to take his life. Of course, they did ultimately take the lives of all the, all the apostles until, of course, uh, John was exiled on the Isle of Patmos. So we see the consecrated life is a different life. And we looked at a couple of things already a couple of weeks ago. We said, if you're going to have a, cre- a consecrated life, you have to have a ready mind. Because everything starts in your mind. The devil defeats you in your mind. If he gets you to thinking negative, you know, man, why am I coming to church today? I'm, wh- what's the point of that? He got you. Oh, man, my husband's he's no good. Well, that might be true, but don't think it. Uh, you know, the day is going to be a bad day. I mean, you're not even crawled out of the bed yet, and you're already thinking the bad day. Well, if, you're thinking, if you get out of the bed and you think the day is going to be bad, it's already bad. One of the first things you ought to do before you even get out of bed is praise God and thank God that you're alive. It gives you another day of breath. Somebody would get up and say, oh, no, I'm alive. I'm, a, I'm alive. I'm, I have to do this again? <laughs> no, you get to do it again because life is a gift. Life's a gift. Be thankful for every one of them, every, every day because there's coming a day, dear friend, when we, this life will be over and it could be the day. So we have to recognize that we have to have a ready mind. Secondly, the rapture could, should be anticipated. We believe, as I mentioned before, I believe even this last Sunday, in the imminent return of Jesus Christ. We believe that there, nothing has to happen. We believe in a pre-tribulation rapture. That Jesus Christ is coming before the seven years of tribulation. Again, I spent much time this last year with the Pete's class talking about the rapture, why we believe in the rapture, why we believe it's a pre-tribulation rapture, not a mid-tribulation rapture or after-the-tribulation rapture. Or some people believe there's no rapture at all. Some people believe we're in the tribulation right now. <laughs> no, dear friend, we're not. We're not. We're not, we're not there yet. It's going to get a whole lot worse before it gets a whole lot better, trust me. It has to get a lot worse for it to get a lot better. It has to. And we talked a lot about that. So we, we anticipate the rapture. Thirdly, reject the, lust, the lustful lifestyle of your past. If you focused on your past, you will fall down in the future. If you focused on the failures of your past, you will fall down in the future. Some people, all they can do is talk about yesterday. Now, yesterday... It's okay to talk about yesterday, but yesterday, you can't do anything about yesterday. Brother, brother uh, said last week he was going to start a church of the, the, the used to's. <laughs> Some people say, I used, to, I used to sing in the choir, or I used to, be, I used to do this, or I used to do that. Dear friend, if you used to, by the grace of God, why don't you do it again? What's keeping you? There's, no, there's nothing keeping you. Only thing, you know what's keeping you? You. You, you is what keeping you from doing anything. You can do anything you, by the grace of God. Bob Jones said you can do anything you ought to do. You can do anything you ought to do. The only thing that's keeping you from doing what God wants you to do is you. Say, man, I don't like, you know, going up to those people and telling them about Jesus is scary. It's scary. Yeah, but a whole lot worse for them if they die without, without Christ and go to hell. Right? Man, reading that Bible every day is hard. Oh, aren't you glad you have a Bible that you can read? 
There's some places in this world today, hard to believe, they cannot read the Bible for about being persecuted for what they believe. Aren't you glad we still have the freedom in the United States of America to read the Bible, to preach the Bible, to teach the Bible? That, not, that, might, that might not be true uh, five years from now or ten years from now, but right now we have that freedom. So, fourthly, remember the wholeness of God. And we just talked about the importance of being like God. God wants us to be like him. We know he's holy. We know he's pure. We know he's right. That's why we have to reject the evil in this world. Number five, realize you'll be judged by the Lord. It says there in verse 17, If you call on the Father who, without respect to persons, judges according to every man's work, pass the time of your sojourning here in fear. So, realize all of us are going to stand before God. Every person is going to stand before God. The Bible says that every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is, is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You're going to stand before God as a Christian before the judgment seat of Christ, and that's basically a time. Well, you, you will suffer some lo loss for not doing what you should have done, but primarily you'll receive rewards for things that you have done for Christ. But not only that, you'll, if you don't know Christ, there's a, we believe there'll be a time after the tribulation called the judgment seat of Christ where every person who did not receive, who has not received Jesus Christ will stand before the Lord Jesus Christ and ultimately be cast into the lake of fire forever and ever and ever. So everybody's going to stand before, the, before God. But God is not a respecter of persons. The Bible says in Acts chapter 10, verse 34, Then Peter opened his mouth and said, Of a truth I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. Uh, Romans 2, 11, for, for there is no respect of persons with God. So I just want you, I want you to realize tonight that God does not choose who goes to heaven and who goes to hell. Okay, God does not choose that. No, no, you say, well, preacher, doesn't God know? God knows everything. <laughs> he, he's omniscient. He knows all. He's, om, he's omnipresent. He's everywhere. And he's, and he's omnipotent. He's all-powerful. He's omnipotent, omniscient, and omnipresent. But God does not choose it. God, like someone who chooses to have food for the whole church, says, come and dine. It's, it's, it's available for every person who wants to eat at my banqueting table. Why? Because he loves us. He loves us. And dear friend, if you choose by, the, by, by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ to trust in him, you will be saved. But God doesn't condemn one person and save another person. Based on nationality, based on, uh, based on parentage, based on nobility, based on anything. Jesus loves everyone. That's the song we sang as kids, and the theology is true even today. Jesus loves all the children of the world. He loves us all. So anybody can be saved. The Bible says in Romans chapter 10, verse 13, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. For God so loved the world. And, and some people would say, well, that world means only the people who are saved. No, the world means everybody. <laughs> anybody. For God, for God so loved everybody. That he sent his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So God is not a respecter of persons. Anybody can be saved. This word here, sojourning, is an interesting word. We're going to look at it here in a second. It means, it means to be it's derived from the word, which means a stranger, a foreigner, who lives in a place without right of citizenship. We're just, we're just passerbys here. 
Yeah, we might be citizens of the United States, but, I'm a, I'm, but, but this is a temporal thing. This is, this is only going to last for a little while. I am an eternal citizen of heaven. My citizenship in the, in the United States, it, it could come or go. God could call me to New Zealand. I may call you to uh, Mozambique, like he did that brother who came here a few weeks ago. He could call you somewhere, and you'd be a citizen of that. That's not what's important so much. What's important is that you're a citizen of heaven, that you know Christ is your Savior, and you know that when you die, you'll be in heaven with him forever and ever and ever. So you don't have to live in fear. We're supposed to pass the time that God has given us in residential residential uh, ritual fear of the Lord we show our reverence for Christ by living a godly life that is consecrated to him in his glory but it's just it's not so much focused on this life as we are consumed and concerned about the next life so it says there as I mentioned those two verses for there's no respect to a person the Greek word we mentioned is sojourning sixth the redemption of Christ should be motivate us to be consecrated the redemption of Christ should motivate us to be consecrated. Verses 18 and 19. For as much as you know that you are not redeemed with corruptible things of silver and gold from the vain, vain conversation received by tradition of your fathers. It's interesting, this word of redemption, as I was studying this word redemption, there are three words actually translated redeemed in the New Testament. These three words reveal great insights about this word. First of all, we see is in verse 18, for as much as you know, they were thinking about a couple of things as silver and gold. We'll look at that definition. But the first redemption is in Revelation chapter 5, verse 9. And they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof. For thou hast slain and hast redeemed us to God by the blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. What does that word redeem mean? It means, it means literally to buy in the marketplace. It has reference to purchasing a slave right off the auction block. And we all were slaves to sin, right? We're born slaves to sin. Before Christ, before Christ, you may have not have wanted to do something, but you did it anyway, right? In Christ, you don't have to say yes to sin. You've been given the power to say no to sin. Now, you still have the presence of sin because you're still in this body, which is flesh. But you, you, you've been given the power over because... The Holy Spirit lives in you. You don't have to sin. Before Christ, you were chained to sin. You were shackled in sin. That's why I love that show that comes on the radio here, Unshackled. It tells stories of people whose lives were caught up in addictions and problems and pain and suffering. If you ever want to listen, you can go on the internet and listen after, I think, the, the, that Pacific Garden mission there in Chicago is like 75 years old. You can, you can listen to the radio station. I think it comes on certain times during the, during the week. But it's a great, it's a great every time I, I love listening to that because it's powerful stories of, of men and women and, and some, some when they were kids who've been saved out of bondage. And so that's what that word means. Galatians 4, 5, there's another definition it may, out of this verse. means to redeem them that are under the law that we might receive the adoption of sons. This word means to take off the market. In other words, Jesus paid the price for us. They're no longer up for sale. We're no longer, we're no longer the playthings of Satan. We no longer, again, no longer serve sin, but we're no longer, we're not, we're not, we're no longer for sale. We've been redeemed. We've been bought back. 
And then 1 Peter, this verse that we've talked about in our passage of Scripture, for as much as you know, you're not redeemed with corruptible things. What corruptible things is Peter talking about? Silver and gold. <laughs> now today, people, oh man, they live and die for silver and gold. Just give me a little more silver. Just give me a little more gold. They think that's all there is. But dear friend, compared to the precious blood of Jesus Christ, it's like trash. Gold and silver means nothing. Gold in heaven is what we're going to be sitting, what we're going to be walking on. We're going to be walking on gold in heaven. It really means a, doesn't mean a whole lot. Because it comes and goes. But in heaven, in, in heaven, what's important is the precious blood of Jesus Christ. The redeemed, in this word, means to release after the payment of the purchase price. To the Greeks, the word also was a technical term for paying money to buy back a prisoner of war. It pictures one who buys a slave and turns that slave loose. So we see these, these three different pictures of the word redeemed this evening. We think about the kinsman redeemer. How many of you re have read the book Ruth late recently? Read the book Ruth. I love the book Ruth. It's, I, like, I call it the gospel of Ruth. There's so much truth in it. Boaz is known as a kinsman redeemer. The name for a kinsman redeemer was Goel, G-O-E-L, or the Leverite. He could redeem a widow, orphan, or slave, and that's exactly what Boaz is. He's a, a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. We'll learn a little bit more about what that means. What are the qualifications of a kinsman redeemer? First of all, the kinsman had to be related to the individual that needed redeeming. Couldn't be just anybody who redeemed. Remember how excited Naomi was when he found out that, uh, that Ruth was threshing at the, at the fields of Boaz, a relative? She knew something about him. She knew he was an honorable man. She knew he was a good man. I think we even watched a movie about that, <laughs> didn't we? <laughs> Seems like forever ago, Valentine's Day, remember that? Remember how he, he took care of her? The other people treat, didn't treat her right. Why? Because there wasn't a relationship. But when he recognized who, he, who she was, that she was uh, related uh, to Naomi, he wanted to take care of her. He wanted to help her because there was, a, there was a relationship there. Secondly, the kinsman had to be free. Couldn't be, couldn't be married. Couldn't have any other type of entanglements. Had to be free uh, to have a relationship. The Bible says that we are free because of the precious blood of Jesus Christ with as a lamb without blemish and without spot. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 20. For you are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are God's. Let her see. The Redeemer had to be willing to pay the price. He, he, he had to be willing. It wasn't. Naomi didn't come to, to Boaz and beg Boaz, would you please take this woman off my hands? No. He saw her and he chose her. Isn't that what Christ has done for us? Oh, in our lowly estate, here's Ruth, a Moabitess. Remember how she was persecuted because she was a Moabitess? She was a pagan. They, wor they, they worshiped Moloch, that God who, who people brought their children to and sacrificed to their children to. That, that, was, that was her lineage, a, a false god. But she came because she loved Naomi back to Bethlehem. And Boaz saw that. He saw her love for Naomi. He saw her discipline working out in the threshing field and decided, made a choice to save us. I'm so glad that Jesus Christ loved me so much that he died for me. Aren't you glad he died for you? So you could have everlasting life. He was willing to pay the price. The Bible says 
The Bible says in, in John chapter 10, verse 15, As the Father knoweth me, even so I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep, and the other sheep I have, which are not of this fold. Them also I bring, and they shall hear my voice, and there shall be one fold and one shepherd. Therefore doth my Father love me, because I lay down my life, that I might take it again. No man taketh from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have the power to lay it down, I have the power to take it again. This commandment have received of my Father. Christ willingly, because he obeyed the Father, chose to die for us. So the Redeemer had to be willing to pay the price. Fourth, the the kinsman had to be prepared to to marry the widow. Remember in the story of of Ruth, there was a kinsman that was closer than Boaz. Remember he had to tell her that, you know. There's a kinsman, and he had to meet up with the, basically the city council that was the elders of the area of Bethlehem and basically say, well, you know, you are, you are a closer kinsman, but if you, if you decide that you would like this woman, you have to be willing to marry her. And he wasn't willing to do it because they, he thought by, by marrying this Moabitess, it would, it would ruin him and, and hurt his name. And so he, he decided not to. They made an agreement. Remember, they took off their shoes. Remember that whole thing they went through? And ultimately, Boaz had the opportunity to, to marry Ruth. So we see they had to be prepared to marry the, the, the widow. So what is the, what is the basically summation of this word redeemed? First, people are redeemed from something, from the marketplace of slavery of sin. Second, people are redeemed by something, namely the payment of blood of Jesus Christ. And third, people are redeemed to something. This is a state of freedom in Christ. Dear friend, redeemed, redeemed, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. I'm glad I've been redeemed. I hope you are too. What we've been redeemed by? Well, that's the focus. It's not the fact that we've been redeemed. That's wonderful. But what was the purchasing price? The blood, the precious blood of Jesus. We believe in the blood of Jesus Christ. And there's some people say, you believe in a a bloody cross, a, a a bloody salvation, dear friend, without blood, there's no salvation. <laughs> there's, there's, without, the, without the shedding of blood, there's no remission or there's no forgiveness of sin. As I said this last Sunday, if Jesus Christ would have been born of a virgin, lived a perfect life, went to the cross, but did not shed his blood, there could not have been salvation for any person. He couldn't have just died There had to be a payment for sin. And what was the payment? The blood of Jesus Christ. And you see that all through the Old Testament, starting starting even with Adam and Eve. Remember, they tried to sew together the fig leaves? I read it this this afternoon. But the Lord God took the life of an animal. I wonder if it was a lamb. I wonder if it was a lamb. Took the life of an animal and used that skin to cover Adam and Eve. Remember? The, the, the sacrifice of Caleb, of Caleb, of uh, Cain and Abel. Cain had, a, had, had a, a, a sacrifice of the ground, but Abel had a sacrifice of, of animals. Cain's sacrifice wasn't appeasing to God, didn't please God, didn't, 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 didn't do what, what needed to be done, didn't appease the sacrifice and what, what was acceptable unto God. And, but Abel's was. And Je- Cain got jealous, remember, and he slew Cain. So we see this throughout the, the Old Testament, of course, through the Levitical system. When people sin, they, depending on their, uh, how much money they have, they brought different animals. There would be a pigeon, 
or a sheep or a goat. The goat or the, the sheep had to be, uh, or lamb had to be pure, had to be, had to be spotless. It was brought before the priest. There was a sacrifice made for the sins of people. Remember, there was a time every year when the priest would come and he would, he would make an atonement for the sins of all, of all people. But now that, that time is over where the sacrifices have to be made. Still, still people today still believe you have to shed the blood of animals. They're, they're still doing it today. But dear friend, Jesus Christ died once, of, once for all, for all man's sins. And it's, it's, oh, it's complete. It's over. It doesn't need to be done again. Some people say to me when I talk to them about salvation, where well, I got saved. And I say, well, it's a once, it's a once salvation. I hear people say, especially when I talk to Catholics about salvation, they say, well, I do that every night. I say, you don't need to do that every night. You don't get saved 50 times. Salvation is once. Jesus Christ died once. And you only need to be saved once. Once. The Bible says, Romans chapter 5, 12, for as one man sin entered the world, and death by sin, so death passed upon all men, for all have sinned. Christ, in coming, shed his blood so that all men could be saved. What do we know about this blood? A couple things before we close. It's a clean blood. There's no impurities in it. <laughs> no, no impurities in it at all. The currency of the redemption of our souls is clean and pure and precious. If those things which are precious to us matter to us, they, 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 we, we care about them, we love them, we, we take time to... You, you may have something precious, you know, maybe a, a, a watch or a, a billfold or something that you, that you care about, that, you know, an heirloom that maybe your parents gave you that's precious to you, this matter. But you, 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 take that, you take that heirloom, and I've seen people, you know, spend so much time cleaning that, taking care of it, washing it, preserving it, put it in a little, put it in a little box making sure nobody sees it, making sure nobody gets it, maybe even have it in the safe. You clean it, you take care of it, you protect it. Why? Because it's precious. The blood of Jesus Christ is clean, it's chaste. Not only that, it's a calming blood. It's a calming blood. Oh, dear friend, Jesus, I think about that maniac of Gadara who was out there naked running around on the tombstones, cutting himself. The Bible says he was chained and no man could tame him. But the moment he placed his faith in Jesus Christ, that crazy man was seated, the Bible says, and in his right mind. He was totally changed. Was it a, what is it, was it a, was it a pill they gave him? Was it, was it more restraints they gave him? What did they do? Was it, was it medical? Was it, was it education? No, he was, he was past that. There was not a, enough medicine, not enough education. Not enough temptation. No. Only Christ could calm. And dear friend, only the blood of Jesus Christ can change a person. We're not looking for reformation. I'm not talking about turning over a new leaf. Remember when I, when I, was, when I was a young person, probably my, my teenage years, I would go to church because somebody would ask me to come to church. And a few times I walked the aisle. I made a reformation because I wanted to please people. I wanted to please that, that preacher or that deacon or that girl or that friend. I, wanted, I, I reformed myself for a little while. I said some words. I, even, I, was even, I was even baptized twice. 
I tried to reform myself. I tried to, I tried to be a better person. And it, it lasted for a little while, you know, because I wanted to please those people who, who thought I made a difference. But that, 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 didn't, that didn't do anything permanently. That was, just a, that was just turning over the new leaf. Oh, dear friend, we're not looking at reformation. We're looking at salvation. Salvation changes that person forever and ever and ever. You're permanently changed. You're different. The calming blood of Jesus Christ is genuine, gives eternal peace. Remember how you were before you were saved? How many of you can remember what you were like before you were saved? You remember how you were like before you were saved? Remember what you did, the places you went, the things you said, the actions you, you, you committed? How different it is in knowing Christ is your Savior. The whole world right now is up in uproar. The economy, the economy, the economy. Oh, dear friend, it's, the economy, it's, it's, it might get bad and it might get a whole lot worse. My, again, my currency is not here, it's in heaven. If they take everything away from you, dear friend, they can't take Jesus from you. They can't take Jesus from you. That's because of the precious blood of Jesus Christ. It's a clean blood. It's a calming blood. You might go through trials and difficulties and hardships and pain, but because of what Christ has done in your life, you can be calm. You can have peace. You can be quiet. It's a calming blood. Thirdly, it's a it's a comforting. It's a comforting blood. It gives comfort. Knowing that I'm saved, knowing I don't have to do something extra, do something more, that I don't have to attend church or pay a price or do a ceremony or make someone happy or appease some type of God. It's comforting to know my salvation is fixed. Nothing can keep me from the love of God. The only thing I have to do, you say, is go to sleep. No. Get something to eat. No. Wake up the next day. No. The only thing I have to do in this life is go to heaven. Do you realize that? I don't have to do anything else. I don't have to do anything. The only thing I have to do is go to heaven. Because the, the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses me from all sin. My next, my next step is heaven. Whether that be the rapture or whether that be death. That's the only thing that I have to do. There's other things, a lot of things I should do, of course. The only thing I have to do is go to heaven. It's a comforting blood. Number five, it's, four, it's, a, it's, a, it's a covering. It's a covering blood. It covers my sin. It cleanses me. No matter how vile, vain, vicious, no matter what vice you've had in the past, no matter what you've done, it covers your sin. It covers completely, not just a part, not just a little bit, not just a, not just a smidge, but it covers it all. Man, when I, want a when I want chocolate fudge over my ice cream, I don't want just a little bit. Just cover the whole thing. Put it all over the whole thing, man. Don't just give me a little bit. That's just enough to make me mad. If you're going to give me some, put it all over that thing. Amen? That's what the blood of Jesus Christ does. It covers all your sin. Aren't you glad it doesn't cover 50% or 75%? Or 95.5, it covers all your sin. It covers everyone. You see, preacher, even that one that nobody else knows, whoever knows, you don't know, you think God knows? Remember, I said He's omniscient, He's omnipresent, He's omnipotent, He knows it all. And yes, the deepest, darkest, wickedest 
thing you've ever done in your life, that's covered too. That's covered too. And the beautiful thing is, it will never, ever be brought back again. It's covered. It's covered. It's covered. Matt, if you go out there, ladies, and spend a whole lot of money on your credit card and your husband didn't know it, I'm not sure that I'll be covered. I'm not sure that I could be covered. I heard of a preacher whose wife came in and said, I spent $10,000 on a credit card and my husband does not know it. And I want you to be here because when he finds out, he may try to kill me. I can understand that. That might not be covered. But the blood of Jesus Christ, God's son, cleanses you from all sin. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. I love that old song, hymn number, page number 43 in your hymnal, hymn, hymnals. I was thinking about that today. I read about the story of this guy who wrote this hymn. His name was Robert Lowerly. He was saved as a, as a, in high school. Him and another buddy of him were saved about the same time. And he was focusing on what God was doing in his life. And he came through different passages that talked about the blood of Jesus. And he came about through this passage here in Peter and others. And he wrote those words, what can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fountain, I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Let's stand up and sing this song this evening. Let's stand up and sing it. Ready? Here we go. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is a flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Let's pray. Gracious Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for saving us. Oh, Lord, without you, we could do nothing. Without you, we have nothing. There's no sacrifice. There's no gift. There's nothing we can do to appease your wrath. Only because of what Christ has done for us on the cross and shedding his blood could we have everlasting life. I pray, Lord, for everyone in this room who doesn't know you, Father, that you draw them to yourself. Maybe this evening you're struggling with something. Maybe you're struggling with guilt. So often the time the devil will try to tear us down because of things we've done in the past. We think about the hardships or we think about pain. We think about suffering. We think about decisions that were made. And oftentimes the tempter, the, our adversary, will bring back to mind things that we've done, with things, places, and places we've been, things we've done, things we've said. We get discouraged. We get down. But dear, let me just, friend, let me just remind you of the, the power of the precious blood of Jesus has been quoted. The, the blood of Jesus, God's son, cleanses us from all sin. Don't you realize tonight that that sin, whatever it was, no matter how dark, no matter how terrible, no matter how awful, no matter how wicked, no matter how painful, no matter how hurtful. Oh, dear friend, if you know Christ as your Savior, it's covered. It's covered. You don't have to walk away around in guilt. You don't have to walk around feeling like 
You have to pay for it. You have to do some, some deed. You have to make up so, something or have to fix it. It's done. It's clean. It's covered. Praise the Lord. Our sins are covered. Maybe today you're struggling with guilt, struggling with regret, and say, Preacher, would you pray for me? I have been struggling. The thoughts of things I've done in the past, the devil's been bringing back, my flesh has been bringing back, and I know I'm fighting this, and it's a struggle. Would you pray for me that I would be reminded, has been reminded tonight, that the sins that I've committed in the past are covered 